We've talked about the Planet Fitness model, right, where they, they frown upon people slamming the weights around and being super macho and doing all that stuff. And we yeah. have talked about sort of implementing that some of those principles in 643, right, because we want to create, yeah. you know, an it's environment where people are comfortable, right? Yeah, yeah. I have been kicked out of um, Planet Fitness twice. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Welcome to This Week in Fast Pitch, the podcast that keeps you up to date on the latest news, insights, and analysis from the world of fast pitch softball. Powered by 643, we bring you the stories behind the scores, the personalities behind the players, and the strategies behind the game. Whether you're a fan, a coach, or a player, we've got you covered with expert analysis and insider information. So sit back, relax, and get ready for a deep dive into the world of fast pitch softball. This is This Week in Fast Pitch, powered by 643, with your hosts, Jimmy Thomas and Kevin Bednoski. All right, we are back. We are back in the new year, 2024. We're excited to be here, and this is going to be a great addition. As always, I am here with my co-host, the man, the myth, the large, the in charge. We're talking about strength and conditioning today, so I'm calling him Mr. Olympus. Oh, yeah. As if Jimmy I'm, I'm Thomas. Uh, yeah, as if I'm Mr. Fitting. Uh, Welcome, coach. And, of course, man behind the glass, co-founder 643, Mr. Matt Cook. I don't get an introduction like that. Uh, well, we've decided Physique. that, it, well, you're at the gym more than probably the three of us combined. So yeah, I drive by the gym. <laughs> exactly. All right. We have a great show lined up for today. We're going to talk about... Uh, Strength and conditioning for softball athletes. And we brought a guest in today, which is, uh, she's off the charts great at what she does. She's the owner of Bulletproof Strength and Conditioning, Miss Annie Gunshow Ramada. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. We are excited for you. And I'm stoked to be here. It's a great song. The remake. I like this one better. Is this your walk-up song, or did Kevin just do this? It's my walk-up song. Oh, There's my smoke machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flashing light. No, but we are so excited for you to be here because I know um, I know you personally. So we we absolutely and we're introducing you to six four three and a lot of the athletes that come to you yeah. are members here. Of course. So, uh, so there's a great synergy between what you do and what we do, and uh, we just wanted to bring you on. It's the off season, so we wanted to just sort of pick your brain a little bit about, you know, what should athletes be doing and all that kind of stuff. But first, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Tell us about your story and tell us uh, how you got into this big wide world. Yeah. So um, it all started on a dark and stormy night <laughs> in the '80s. Uh, I, I grew up in Missouri, and a very small town, less than 2,000 people, and that is a place where you, all you do is play sports. There's nothing else to do. I don't know if you've noticed, but, like, very rural towns pop up with great teams because what else, you know? Um, so I, I played sports in high school, went to the University of Missouri, started studying what I thought was going to be physical therapy, got to the clinical side of that where you were going to, where you were going to just shadow physical therapists, and I was like, God, this sucks. Yeah. That is really boring. Not, not that there's no respect there, but I, I could not hang there. And I started studying um, just athletic training and nutritional sciences because that was fun. Um, as I finished up my, my undergrad degree program, I got to go to 
to get a master's degree for free. Nice. The, just Sweet. the right price for me. <laughs> but nice. I had to be a strength and conditioning coach and associate at the University of Missouri. Phenomenal opportunity. So got to start there, and that is really how I started my journey. Okay. Um, stayed there for a couple of years and uh, was just blown away by how, how interesting it was because at that time I was – I got to do all of the things and, and I got a free degree out of it too. Yeah. And I got money. What? In well, Missouri? Let's, let's back up. What sports did you play? Um, so I did play softball and I played basketball. And here's the thing about these really tiny towns is all athletes, all sports. Yeah. So like in the summertime you were running cross country and then, you know, it, we have fall softball in Missouri. So we do softball there and then we would run right into um, basketball. Then all your teammates are the same, right? Because they the all do the same thing you do, right? Same coach too. Yeah, Jimbo. Yeah, that's great. Shout out Jimbo. Which, <laughs> was Jimbo also the bus driver? Because my two sport <laughs> coach in high school was the bus driver as well. So like, you know, he he was doing all kinds of stuff. He was our strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was like English teacher. <laughs> yeah, he taught us um, like most of my life skills. I'm like Jimbo, how do I make a grilled cheese again? What was the <laughs> setting for that? So it was, it was it was awesome. But yes, absolutely. So those are sports I played. Loved it. Um, and that really, I mean, really it started for me in high school sports. High school sports started my, like, my absolute obsession with figuring out how to reverse engineer the athletes, what I call it now. At the time, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm just trying to find my way in this big world. Um, and then going to college, I got to learn really the science behind developing that the best athlete. And then I got to immediately apply it at Mizzou, which was awesome, which we had tons of high-level athletes. And the sports, when you're a strength and conditioning sport, uh, a strength and conditioning coach, you get to work with several sports. Softball was one of them. Um, I had four, four or five other ones as well. And then you had to be all hands on deck for football, but, um, that's kind of where it all started. And then I went to Chicago, moved to Chicago, um, was doing the clinical side because for some reason I thought maybe if I just saw it again, I'd like it. I don't. Um, but while I was there, I got to work with the Chicago bandits or some players on the Chicago bandits mm -hmm. team, which was really awesome and, and kind of start working through program development. And then I took a job in Springfield, Missouri, and at that time, it became a few things in the world had happened that made it very apparent to me that this was too volatile, that working in pro and in college sports was way too volatile. Um, so I moved to Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> I say that, and I'm like, this will be nice and safe. Um, and then I married somebody in the military, so I could be nice and super stable. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then we uh, ended up in San Francisco for a bit, and then we moved over here. And when I moved here, I said, okay, I'm done moving for real this time. Um, and I opened up shop in Reston and have been full tilt ever yeah. since. Yeah. When was that? Uh, I moved to Northern Virginia in, during the pandemic, during 2020. Okay. And you have ramped up your business in a pretty short period of time. Yeah. I'm really grateful for that. I, I, you know, I, I was really apprehensive about, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I stayed for about a year working for somebody else. And I was like, okay, that's destroying me mentally, emotionally, physically. And so, um, I kind of took a leap of faith on that and I said, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to see what, what's what. Um, and, and started about in 2021, January 1st. Yeah. Well, we are certainly happy that you're doing what you're doing because I know yeah. a lot of, a lot of my athletes that, that, uh, that play for us, um, go to you and, and have seen tremendous results and Phenomenal. you know, the, the, the focus that you're putting on them as individuals, it really shows, it really, really shows both from a, from a physical perspective as well as the emotional and mental perspective as well. So awesome. I, I appreciate that as well. So Do you have other trainers as part of the business or is it is it you independently? Um, it's just me independently at the moment. Okay. Um, we, have, we have interns at times and that's something that 
uh, in the next year or so. I hope to find somebody that also wants to rock the boat, yeah. know, do the thing. Yeah. Um, but right now it's just me, and and but that is com- that's got to have to come to an end. I have well, to scale at some point. And I, you have a shop over there in Reston. Mm-hmm. Yep. I plan on bringing my daughter to yeah to Annie. Is oh, I all, can't wait to meet her. Yeah. Is it all one on one? It's all one on one. There's no group stuff. Uh, I do some groups, and it's really hard for me to to get out and do that. Yeah. Um, I do some group stuff. I do a lot of like consulting work in that way. Um, the one-on-one thing is, is super important to me because I think it's the last time athletes get one-on-one attention. So what people don't really know is that then when they go to college, they think, okay, I'm going to have, they're going to have some amazing resources. They really will, but they're not going to have one-on-one time. And when you get to college, you're kind of, you need to be up and running. Right. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of times in that weight room, you get in there and you do have people on all levels at all universities that have never seen the inside of a weight room. Mm-hmm. And it really shows. And they have to slow down. You either slow down for that weakest link or you leave them behind. So sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the oil, but sometimes it gets replaced. So for my, my goal is always to give them that one-on-one attention, make sure they know how to move their body really, really well, yeah. and, and then not skip a beat when they go to college, not be that guy in the weight room, that guy or that girl yeah. in the weight room. <laughs> only girls well, and I think there's a lot of especially the female athletes that are uncomfortable the first couple of times they step in the weight room they don't know how to handle the weights they don't want to look at a place they don't you know they don't want to embarrass themselves my wife still doesn't like going into gyms yeah it's it's just a there's a there's a thing there that you know makes people uncomfortable so yeah, I think finding it's, your strides hard I, yeah when I go to a new gym me myself and I, I'm always like oh god a little gym anxiety but knowing what you're doing and having you know that core competency and how do I change the weights? What weight's supposed to be on the bar? What is, what's going on? What does this thing in my program mean? Like, that's really yeah. important. I mean, um, shit, Matt, we, we've talked about the Planet Fitness model, right, where they, they frown upon people slamming the weights around and being super macho and doing all that stuff. And we yeah. have talked about sort of implementing that, some of those principles in 643, right, because we want to create, yeah. you know, an it's environment where people are comfortable, right? Yeah, yeah. I have been kicked out of um, Planet Fitness twice. <laughs> so. For grunting? Uh, the first time I had a water bottle that was too big for them, they said, hydration. So I see those signs on the wall. They legitimately follow through with that, huh? Sometimes. I think they got in some you, legal you, problem. You had, a, you had a one-gallon milk jug with you, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, Filled with water. Come on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also in Missouri, we're poor, and I'm drinking out of old milk jugs. Oh, uh, nice. Matt uh, carries out of the hose. Well, yeah. I, I, I get the sense from the tone of your voice that you're actually proud of the fact that you got kicked out of the Planet Take Fitness that. twice. Take yeah, your Smith right. machine boom. and go home. <laughs> Take your- <laughs> so talk to us a little bit, let, you know, because Coach brought up a great point about sort of the intimidation factor. Sure. And so when, when you get a client or let's say I have our team or, or a member that's here, what does that introduction look like? And how can you mentally prepare them to say, hey, look, this is, this is not fearsome. Like you don't have to be fearful of, of this. We're gonna take we're gonna take you and work with you. Like, what what does that conversation look like with an athlete? Um, so it really comes down to helping them understand the process. And I try to talk to each and every person, um, in in a way that if they went and they talked to another exercise physiologist, they'd be like, "Yes, this girl knows her stuff, right?" Um, and I want to educate them along the way. So the very very first thing I do is I run them through an assessment. And in assessing an athlete. It starts out the same way for everyone. It never ends the same way because I have to kind of follow and see what their body's doing. So I like to see how they're moving first and see if there's any huge anomalies, any fires to put out. And then I kind of chase that fire, right? So like if somebody is doing the overhead squat assessment, very common, and I see that they've got this like knee cave that goes in, I have to find out where's that coming from. And so I start working up the chain. But I'm not going to just do it and then create a program and be like, all right, this is what we're doing. I like to explain it each step of the way. So something I'm sure... 
anybody that is ever in my history of ever that's ever really met me is that I'm a little bit verbose. <laughs> I'm going to talk to them to, about it. Um, and then I explain why we're doing it and, and what some other avenues of, of chasing that might be. Um, and we see how we're going to progress that over time. And we see if that's a good idea. And I think what's important for them to know is that we're going to have a science-based approach and we're going to have an approach that I think they should be able to understand that they can repeat back to me and, and things are looking pretty good. And it's going to be based in mechanics. And then we're going to be open to the idea that we're wrong. Okay, we're going to be open to the idea that we need to fix that again. It's a game of whack-a-mole. As soon as you fix that valgus knee cave, what if they suddenly arch their low back instead of loading their hips? Well, then i got to chase that sucker, right? We're going to be wrong a lot. We're going to be wrong way more than we're right, and we're just searching for the ultimate big-picture item, and also so that they can understand how their body moves, and they can take that to their skill coaches. What I don't do is skill-specific. Like, I'm not having them throw a weighted ball. I'm not having them swing a huge bat around. I'm going to make them have the most physically uh, efficient kinetic chain that they can take to their skill coach and be ready to rock the house, right? I don't want them coming in and being like surviving batting or surviving their pitching lessons. I want them to go very physically prepared and I don't want to mess up their motor mechanics. So that's super important to me. Do you, when you, let's say you have an athlete that, that you're progressing with and then they go to their skill coach, when they come back to you, is there sort of this conversation that says like, you know, hey, this is kind of what went well, this is what didn't go well, and maybe can you help me figure out why that's the case? Not from a skill perspective, but yeah. from, a, from a movement pr pattern perspective. All the time, and that information is gold for me. Like yeah. that is such good, good, good feedback. So all the time I'll say, hey, how did that pitching lesson go? How did that the catching lesson go? How, how did whatever go? And they'll say, eh, I'm having a problem with blah. And sometimes the coaches themselves will um, communicate with me directly, which I love because they'll give me exact words. Okay, well, maybe I'm picking up my back foot when I'm, when I'm batting. And we'll talk about, okay, well, is that the best way to transfer force? And then we can go through drills that are specific to that thing, right? But it's not holding a bat. It's going, what's the best way to create force? What's the, what do we know about your hips now? Now that we've been talking this whole time about, you know, strength and conditioning and how we load our hips when we're squatting, how we load our hips when we're deadlifting, what how important are your feet on the ground? Or how, for, how important is quick hip turnover? Cool. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. How do we strengthen that development and get power from the ground into the bat? And what I don't do is then swing a bat. Yeah. Uncommitted 06 ain't coming through <laughs> with the batting lessons. It's, it's not. So you mentioned overhead squat, I think I've heard you say. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think you just said something else about a, a squat or something. Are we doing mostly weight training? Is this, yeah? Depends on what they need. I, I don't do overhead squats loaded um ever never say never but like never um <laughs> unless it's an assessment i do have a pvc okay. pipe just um just to see how their body moves in, in an unusual can you situation. do an over can you do an overhead squat kevin hands no. overhead yeah. i bet you could I, without I, I with it uh, first of all my shoulder well, everything my, starts to break down yeah like, once i get into that position yeah yeah, yeah. well that it, tells me a hurts. lot that well, tells me a lot so if they don't have any overhead extension i can immediately tell you if they're pitchers i can say Hey, can you get into that? Can you get into that full like wind up yeah. scenario? Yeah, I'm not a pitcher. Yeah, got into my head. I could not <laughs> throw a ball where it needs to go underhand. Absolutely not. But um, I know enough about the mechanics to say, what does that look like? Do you have pain in your bicep? Probably. You know, are you are you flinging the ball? Okay. Well, let's talk about ways to eradicate that. Yeah. Right? Is there mobility that needs to be gained? Maybe so. Is it strength? So and then so you will do functional type mm. training as in addition to yeah. Olympic style weight training and that sort of thing. Are you a CrossFitter? Like, do you do you look at all the disciplines? Is, is yeah, it, yeah. It just depends CrossFit on the it depends on the kid. 
CrossFit's like a gateway to all sorts of training, right? But I don't do it. Um, I'm embarrassed. I used to. Um, why did you bring that up? Sorry. The, um, the Sore subject. I know. I know I'm, I'm, it's just shame. Don't worry about it. It's, it's a shame. F- former life. It's, yeah. yeah. I'm just leaving it behind an old boyfriend there. It's <laughs> nice. just my old fitness life. Um, what I look at is functional training means what is what, what has some carryover into what you're looking to do, but also has global carryover. So I do a lot of squatting. I do some deadlifting depending on their hip anatomy. I do uh, s- s- like shoulder and posterior chain development in a big way. That's a big, big thing for me. Um, some plyometrics, right? Sometimes, um, but different athletes need different things. Different um, ages too? Different ages need different things. I think there's a hierarchy. I think you have to move well in simple patterns before you can progress them into more complex patterns. Right. I think you can troubleshoot with different movements to see, all right, well, if they're, again, we talked about the valgus knee cave because it's a common one. Um, we might think about sumo deadlifts there instead. We might think about developing a glute medius, but we also might have to look at that and say, maybe an, a knee cave is just internal rotation that's that's good. You know, like how important is it to rotate your knee inward in in Softball, so important, so important. So maybe they just have really good mobility there and they need to stabilize it, in which case we might do some isometrics. Um, we might do some the, some holds. And then um, I also like to look at how they're running, just from a, like a, a base running perspective. Like, are you able to load the back foot? Do we not load the back foot? Uh, are we getting low enough to the ground that it makes sense, right? Like, are we moving in a way that's congruent with our body that gets us where we want to go in the fastest amount of time? And if not, why? That's always the question. And for those reasons, since that's such a broad question, and because nobody's ever presented the same ever in thousands of athletes that I've worked with, I've never had someone that moves exactly like that other person, um, similar, but not ever the same. I have to keep all tools available. And then when they get into college prep and they've, they've made their commitments, I have to look at what their college does and I need them to be ready for that. So maybe there's some things I don't love. Like I don't love cleans, like power cleans. I don't love it. Um, but if their college does it, girl, we're going to do it. We're going to figure out how to do it with the least amount of friction. So are there, you know, it brings up a great, great question. Like, are there exercises that let's call them your 13 to 18 year old young women should not be doing in the, in the weight room? You know, there's this, there's this sort of, you know, we have this talk all the time about bench pressing. Right. You mm-hmm. know, and, and the sort of should you, shouldn't you, and if you do how and right. hands out, hands in, like, you know, so, so are there things that girls absolutely should not be doing in um, the weight room? Yeah. There, there's one big group of things that I don't like, and it is overly sport specific things. So I'll, I, I throw the question back to you and to all of you. How hard do you work on motor mechanics with all these people? Like so hard, right? Well, a lot. And how, how, how much of a process is repeating the perfect movement? Now, let's say, let's say Annie comes in and says, now we're going to take something that is so similar to a bat, but not. And we're going to swing s- it, uh, this heavy thing. And also, you're going to be swinging slower than ever. I'm going to teach you how to throw, swing this bat really slow. And uh, it's heavy. And also, the bat hand position is whatever, because I, I don't know better than you in this way. And I, and it's going to be all over the place and your motor mechanics are going to be so similarly stressed in a different way. Enjoy that little present I got for you. It's that, that messes up motor mechanics in a big way. I don't love cleans for the man it puts on the, on the wrist, but I do understand why people like it. Um, I don't enjoy, I don't love like push press, but I I feel like there's just a lot of ways to skin that cat that have less uh, risk 
associated with it. I don't always look at that risk to reward ratio. Um, benching, I just think that there's very little information on how to bench well and how to bench, especially for women. I feel like they're learning to bench from their brothers or, and they're <laughs> like super wide chest day bro things. And I'm like, well, wait, 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 I would love that stress to be on the shoulders and the triceps. And I, I don't think that developing a lot of pec tightness is like totally crucial. And then in season, I think that it's, it's all in the prescription. So if you're bench pressing and you're super tight in the pack, it's going to throw off your entire mechanic. Everything you do is thrown off by that. So th- the big lump of things is overly sport-specific drills that people put together for Instagram. <laughs> That's what I think that is. Um, yeah. Yeah. So for the high school athlete that <clears throat> has aspirations of playing at the next level and really wants to go hard right now, how often do you recommend they come see you? I mean, coming and seeing me, there's some people that pragmatically can only make it in once a week or so. Once a week would be great. Um, but I think they need to train two, three times a week, right? And I think if their conditioning's a factor, they need to do that on the side too. So it kind of depends. I try to, I love to see people twice a week. I think that's like an ideal kind of cadence that doesn't yeah. overwhelm them. Um, and it gets them used to working hard very consistently on a schedule, which is huge. Sometimes it's not the fitness, it's the lifestyle. Yeah. So um, I like to see them two or three times a week if that's if at all possible. Um, sometimes four and then conditioning you can do as long as you're not like burning the, you know, burning all your energy resources. Um, and then big piece of this is keeping the main thing, the main thing. If we just get too roasted for you to go to practice and be efficient, I messed up. I don't want you to be great at fitness. I want you to be great at your sport, especially if you want to get a college scholarship out of it. So what is that difference in program between sort of where we are now in January and call it, you know, dead of the season, which is post spring break, right? Some sort of, you know, late April kind of time frame when you, when know, you guys are rolling. When, you, when it's rolling really heavily. It's you know? tumbleweeds up in that gym now. Yeah. And that time I'm like, <laughs> should I take a vacation today? This yeah. is amazing. Um not amazing. It's dead. And the re- here's what I like to think is the off season is what I would say this is now. We're kind of in peak off season for you guys. I is something where I like to say let's let's hit the weights hard. This is the time. This is the time to be peaking in the weight room. This is the time to be addressing weaknesses, addressing huge deficits. And at this point, we're about a month out from starting practice. So we need to be getting, we need to be finding our point, you know, and, um, and finding our stride and being in really good physical shape. Are you going to be able to sustain these games, right? That's the number one question. Um, volume's high. Intensity is high. Not at the same time. So when we talk about intensity within, within training, we mean percent or weight on the bar, and when I say volume, I mean reps. reps. So those two things cannot be high at the same time, right. but they can be undulated. Um, and their practice time, this is when people are taking breaks. This is when people are taking like their pitching break, if they take a, a long pitching break every year. If this is their, you know, this is when they're working on technique, they're working on spins, but they're kind of laying off so they can taper into the season. As, as February creeps on, February, February, yeah. <laughs> who knows? As that creeps on, I have to pull back on volume. 29 days, by the way, this year. Oh, yeah. I'm a February birthday. Yeah, 29 days this year, not 20. February. Yeah. That's why you say it so well. I Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I've only been messed up for years over it. So I, I try to kind of taper that uh, off as you taper up. the. In- so I have to look at the schedules and say, okay, you guys are starting practice here. Let's pull this back. Let's pull back anything that has any huge um, kind of residual training, residual soreness, and let's w- work on more quality movements. Let's work on making sure we're moving so well, submaximal weight, submaximal reps, 
lots of mobility, lots of injury. I always check people for injuries when they come in too. say, Hey, how's your shoulder feeling? How's your arm feeling? Are you sore here and here and here? Okay, cool. Can we do this? Do we need to KT tape? KT tape. Do we need what, to do things? What percentage of your softball athletes come in with soreness, with shoulder soreness because of throwing? Oh, so many. Like, so like, oh. Girl, girls don't hurt their shoulders when they pitch. <laughs> That's right. That's, a, that's, that's completely thing. right. Yeah. They, can throw as, yeah. they can throw as much as they want. It right, doesn't right, matter. Right. Yeah. I saw that in the stats. I, I saw that. Yeah. Was, that was completely I, I learned that early, right in like 10U, I learned that. Yeah. I was like, there's no pitch counts? Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Great. What could go wrong? Yeah, she's oh. nine. She could pitch all weekend. Oh, no, the underhand. When they do it underhand, it, it doesn't cause any fine, issues. Yeah. yeah. None whatsoever. And certainly like not almost always, you know, I would say probably, I would say 80% at some point. Wow. Most do. And it's like, Again, it's an education process of what happened. Like, what, what happened to make it? Is the, was the pitch count too high? It happens. It just, like, sometimes somebody has to stay in the game a little longer than we would have we liked. That's, that's the fun of the sport, is sometimes we're going to have to overextend ourselves. And I want you to be ready for that so you don't, you don't break something. But, yeah, man, sometimes that's soreness. I'm actually curious to ask you about the younger athlete, right? <laughs> Obviously, the high school athlete wants to come in. They can do what they got to do in the weight room. What about the younger athlete? What about the 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old kid that we don't want to be pushing through the weight room? Do you just recommend going out and playing, being rambunctious, body weight exercises with your body weight? Like, what about the young, young yeah. kids? Yes. <laughs> I, I recommend they play. Yeah, right? Uh, for just a be multitude of reasons. And, yeah. I think that from the, the kid's perspective, they need to be able to have fun or they're going to hate this, right? And I think we see that all the time. We balance that anyway, is are we having a good time? And at eight, it's critical that you're having a good time and that you're learning what the sport has to teach you, not what what you can bring to it, right? Like nobody's recruiting them eight-year-olds, right? So getting them in the weight room, I I get asked about this a lot, and I'm like, the the most... The, 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 if I was to be very money hungry, I'd say, come on in. I'd right, love to see right. you five days a week. Let's do this. <laughs> but your better like return on investment is saving that money, putting it in some, some sort of investment that somebody can talk to you about, and then letting them go outside and play and, and interact with other student athletes and have a great time fostering a relationship with sport and with their body and enjoying movement. And so many people never get there in their life. What's the youngest that you teach now? Um, I try not to have people in until they're in eighth grade. What's that? 13-ish? Yeah, 12, 13. Yeah, 13, 14. I do do have an eight-year-old that I work with at times, but we play. We play games. I work with her for 20 or or 30 minutes or so, however long her brain can sustain it. And again, this is something where I don't do this a lot, but I work with her whole whole family. And um, I do it because it's fair. It's fair. And also, we have a good time. Just playing games. Sometimes it's hopscotch. But sometimes I throw the ball and she goes and grabs it. That's what I was going to ask. What do you do? Like ladder You stuff? know that little game where you throw the ball over and they have like two bounces to grab it? We do yeah, that. Yes. You know. I yeah. thought you were talking about fetch. Yeah, I used to that do that with my dog. That is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I play that with my dogs as well. But we, we just have a fun time and, and she enjoys moving. And when she's done, instead of me being like, no, get it together. Like, yeah. I, like I might yeah. have to have a, a heart-to-heart with a student athlete. Um, I say, all right, you can be done. It's good. I don't know how you're categorically right. eight. Yeah. Right. It's fine. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, we see that in here, right? Yeah. As well. You know, we were talking about, we had a guest on um, who had been a member for a really long time when she was young. And sometimes she just wanted to like toss it up herself and hit. Like, okay, yeah. well, if that's what you want to do for a yeah. couple minutes, let's make the most out of that. 
Right. Right. And we'll, we'll, we'll make the most out of that opportunity. So, um, yeah. So, um, I, I think maybe we've hit on this a little bit and this may be a little bit of a sensitive topic. I don't know, but, um, where are you on like multi-sport versus sport specialization? Now, you, you played a bunch of sports growing mm-hmm. up. Um, you've sort of referenced it a little bit. Right. Um, you know, we're a, a year round business right. that caters to a single sport. Um, but I, I think we always talk about some level of responsibility and making sure that we're doing right by these kids. Um, but that 80% that you see that are coming in injured, is it, is it overuse? Is it just too much? Is it that they're, they need to be working out different muscles, which I'm presuming you're very right. good at, but like, where are you in terms of that? You know, you should play softball in the spring and basketball in the winter and right. Which is um, difficult, by the way. There's so many there's so many elements to this argument because it's you know if you really want to commit yourself to a sport that you love, let's say it's softball, and you want to play in college, it's tough to take time off, right? Because right. you your your counterparts are going to advance and you're not. Well, right? there's there's always there's always something you could be doing that elevates your game, and you have to think about what their priority is. If you want to have a just a good old time playing high school sports, do whatever you want. That's fine. Yeah. Um, totally fine. Some people find some carryover, though. Very, very, very um, candidly, there's not a lot of carryover from like cross country or track into softball. We could right. certainly make the the argument for it, and just kind of tired of tired of doing that. Yeah. Um, you can just have a good time with it. I do think that off seasons are so incredibly beneficial. That doesn't mean some people don't do it very successfully. Tons of them. Tons of dual sport athletes. What I try not to do is should on people. Should is what I said. There. <laughs> <Should>. <laughs> um, is you should be blah. actually not what I thought you said. <laughs> I know I, I have to say that one and then enunciate it. Yes. So I try not to should all over people, yeah. which is well, you really <laughs> shouldn't be doing that. You should be trying this other approach, whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, some people just really enjoy it, and I, that that part of their life is something that's going the, the, the window is going to close so quickly that they should enjoy it. If I'm building the best athlete possible, they're doing one sport. We're going all in. Your off seasons are in seasons in the weight room. Okay. You're doing your technique work. You're kind of going after it. And I think for most for the most part, that's what I have is people doing that. So you can balance out, right? Like if I if I'm just in here and I'm swinging and I'm throwing and I'm swinging and I'm throwing, and I do that over and over again. I'm ignoring other muscles and other things, and you, you're sort of managing that on right. kind of a, a right. holistic level. Right. So stay focused on the single sport, but work with somebody like you to make sure that you're. Right, and so a balanced athlete. Most strength and conditioning coaches will will introduce you to something called an annual training cycle, an annual training plan. We have to do it anyway, and it's where we look at your year and we put down blocks of like, that's kind of like you would block out like available, not available. Like where will I be? What part of the season will I be in? Right. And you mix and match, and you try to find a way to condition around it. And that's where I really do have to network with other like skill coaches and say, what would you recommend at this time? You know, what is an appropriate? And also like physical therapists, we have some great physical therapists in the area that'll help me with what's an appropriate pitch count at certain times, what things we need to stay away from. And then every coach I know that's a skill coach has kind of a recommended break town period. Like some coaches say you need to take a month entirely off softball. Some will say take a week every four months, whatever it is. And I will say, okay, does that make sense for you? Does that work for you? Okay, let's, let's put that in the training plan. Let's see where we have a lump of time to, to push, which is kind of like right now. And then let's see, you know, where we need to pull off. And so you should balance it out as much as you can. But it, the first thing is kind of looking at it and, and making it work. Put your big rocks in and then you can fill in with the small rocks. Gotcha. Got it. You talk a lot. I mean, just that last little interlude there was, you know, where it's all kumbaya mm-hmm. a lot between sort of 
different sports and coaches and, you know, let's, I'll use you and I as an example, right? So you train a few of my athletes and I'm demanding on them in certain moments and it's, it's, and we talk and all that kind of stuff. But what if I need, I need them to go at this level and, you know, it's not all kumbaya, right? It's not all sort of, you know, oh, happy, happy, you know, um, no. there, there might be conflict right there right. between what, what they, what I need them to do, what they're willing slash capable of doing, and then how they're working with you on the other side of that. Right. So, so, so right. can you talk a little bit about sort of where is that middle ground? Where, where do we all sort of, sort mm-hmm. of, where can we all live comfortably? Right, right. So that's a, that's a great question. I think that what, I think what I do differently, and I think I do it better than most, is that I try to connect with the coaches and I try to see what's what's their plan and how can I assist that plan because that is what I my role is, right? As a result, and then also coaches understanding that they don't have to do the weight room duties. Um, and also weight room, your strength and conditioning coaches, all athletic trainers have a pretty extensive background in um, kind of the clinical side of it. So I can handle the injuries. If they need to, if they need to ramp up quick, I'm going to get you where you need to go as quick as I can. Right. It all comes down to communication. It all comes down to like, great and nice. I need this person kind of here kind of quick. What's realistic. I, there are some adaptation times and deterioration times of different skills that I can't get around. That's just the science of it. But at least I can say, Hey Kevin, like give me three weeks and that person can throw at that capacity or whatever it is. Right. It comes down to communication. Yeah. So give us some information for our, so, you know, our listeners that, that might be interested in some of the services that you provide. Um, what are the, like, what do the packages look like? So I usually do just one-on-one training. Um, I also do some consulting with coaches and things of that nature. Um, okay. So some, uh, like I've done everything in the world, biz dev and business development, and I've come down to the easiest way is the way is the way forward. So I usually have people, um, they come in, they put a credit card on file or something like that. And I don't do big packages of things because they have to be able to leave quickly often. Yeah. Right. So what I, what I hate the, the model that I hate is I'm going to have you pay for 24 sessions, a random number. I'm going to keep it in this arbitrary database. I'm going to forget about it. You're going to forget about it. And uh, yay, I get money. And then you're going to hit me for a refund. And, you know, the, one of those. So I do as you go, as people come in, they just pay. I do it on Saturdays. I say who actually came in or had an appointment that I, but I listened and I, and I say, okay, I mean, she sounds super knowledgeable uh-huh. and I want to go and say, you know, I want to work three days a week. Yeah. You, you know, we you, just come in and, and we'll work out a plan with you individually yep. and the pricing and all that stuff and a exactly. schedule and see what's available and just go from there. Exactly. Right. And so then we would come up with what's normal. I always have people come in the first time for free so we can go through the assessment, not just on my end, but they need to, I highly recommend girls decide if what their coach is saying makes sense. And if they're learning. Okay, that's humongous. And I want to give them the opportunity without any money out the door to say, um, I don't like this girl. They won't, but they might. <laughs> and, they, and I should, I'm, I'm up to the sniff test, right? So parents come in, we have an assessment. I go through their movement analysis. I say, this is, my, this is what I think we should be doing, right? And that might come down to, you know, this many times a week you need to be training. I'd love to see it twice. If your motor mechanics really suck, then I do heavy coaching on the front end. It might be two, three times a week. And then I try to get people into a place where they can start to mimic that movement. They're free to come, you know, they can come into the gym if they want to. If they have a gym they go to, you know, give me the equipment list and we'll talk out about a plan. That's And then this time of year, you, I guess you have available hours before school and then 
three to whenever or... man in the school year i'll morning noon and night this thing i'm i'm always up and, and running um i have people i'm so impressed with the student athletes here and that they will get up at five yeah. and they'll meet me oh there. yeah oh yeah uh, it's unbelievable yeah and, and then they will go to sleep at nine hey can we talk about rest girls yeah. rest yeah there it was there it was <laughs> like what we need to do is i actually kick people out of the gym sometimes I'm like, you You need to You need to go home and go sleep. This hour was important for you to sleep. Well, it's undervalued for sure. And that's I think huge. the coaches, there's a lot of coaches out there that, that blow this. Yeah. Because, that's what I was going to say. I think yeah. that's probably less on the athlete and, yeah. and more on the coach or maybe even the parents, you know, that yeah. forget about the importance of, of rest. Absolutely. And, and that's another reason why in season people are like, they get very hyper-focused when they're doing their thing, right? When you're when you've got three games a night, you're like, all right, I'm knocking this out. My whole life is softball. I'm going to go to the gym when I have those days off. I only have three games. I'm going to go to the gym the other four. I'm like, no, you're not. You're going to go to bed. You're going to go to sleep. You're going to take a nap. You're going to eat some food. That's what you're doing. And so that's, that is the right call. So yeah. the demands of a student athlete are so high. And the higher up in it gets worse. And you have these coaches that just don't get it, man, that are, you know, they're, they're having 730 games at night and then 6 a.m. practice the next morning and – you know, and just grinding these kids out, and they have they have daunting schedules. I call it keying your own car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll show you. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. That's well, well. N- not to mention, you know, what I sort of tell incoming. You said eighth graders. Mm-hmm. I tell a bunch. I tell eighth graders and and their parents all the time. It's like you you think you're working hard right now as an eighth grader, right? You go to your hitting coach. You go to your strength coach. You go to your pitching coach. You come in. You hit. You do. You know, but you don't. You do it on your schedule for the most part, right? right? You're, the grind, if you will, of sort of when you become a high school kid or college even more so is, well, now you're, now you're on our time. Right. Yeah. And by the way, 90 plus percent of the learning that you do is, in when the, is between the hours in Loudoun County between 9.30 and 4.15, right? right? Well, guess what? You had lunch at 11. You dog ate your homework. You um, had a really bad class at f- that ended at 4.15 and now you got to come to practice. Or get ready for a game, and guess what? You got a test first thing tomorrow morning. You got a, you haven't had dinner, and you got a whole bunch of homework to do, and you have a test first thing tomorrow morning, and you got to wake up and do it all over again. That's and it's a your lot. best friend's birthday on Saturday. Get right. it together, right? <laughs> Absolutely, right. Not. it's a whole different world. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it's a whole different. So you mentioned eating real quick. Yeah, quickly. What is the ideal pregame meal package for a female softball athlete? Go, go. Okay, here we go. So uh, pregame, we don't want to be weighed down. We don't want to feel heavy. Fats digest really, really slowly. So I'm going to have you stay away from some fats. So the, the peanut butter situation, absolutely not. What I do want you to have is carbohydrates, and I want you to have some salt in there too. It's hot. It's hot out here. We sweating. When we're sweating, are we sweating water? Are we sweating some salty weirdness out of our pores. We got to replace the salt. So I like to recommend to people that they have a sandwich. <laughs> I'm bringing back the sandwich. That's nice. It's bread. It's got salty meat that doesn't mm. get weird without heat, but it will... You gotta eat that thing fast, yeah. and uh, and it's not too heavy, right? So something that's gonna give you a good amount of carbohydrate. I also like just kind of like a fruit situation, maybe some peanut butter, but not so much that you're gonna be like, oh, that's really heavy. Um, and a lean protein, a protein shake's not a bad idea there. Greek yogurt, let's bring that. That's a good one. But have a cooler. Right. <laughs> awesome. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, how did they do so? They can find me on the Twitter. The Twitter. The Twitter. Uh, I mean so- X. X, that's so right. give give your handle, please, because then we're gonna talk about the handle at Annie Gun Show. So the Nick, if you've never met uh, Annie, the the nickname fits. But how did you get the nickname? Do you know this story? I don't. 
oh man. So I didn't, it didn't always fit. I was really scrawny. When I was at Mizzou, I, the, I was the, the new, the new dude. Um, <laughs> and so every single, every single sprint that we would do, I'd have to be like, does, does everyone know how to do these bleacher runs? And of course somebody would be like, I don't. They'd be like, well, it looks like Annie's going to have to do it. And so in one summer, also there was this weird thing where I had to wear sweatpants all the time. I don't know what hazing that was. I lost like 15 pounds and I was stick thin, stick, no arms, matchstick legs, dying out here, probably a problem. Um, and I wanted to have a, a Facebook and it was recommended that it not be under my, my government name. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, well, what would be one that no one would ever guess? And so I made it. Annie Gun Show, because I was such a stick-thin human at the time. And that really blew up. And so I, I made it Annie Gun Show. I was like, this is hilarious. No one will ever find me. <laughs> and then, at, fast forward to this day, like, uh, I have huge arms. And I, I do um, bodybuilding, right? Like, I'm, I've got huge arms. And I have had people, I, I host events at times. I've, I have businesses. And I've had people write me checks to Annie Gunn show. <laughs> so there are, there are a couple of our younger athletes where, where I coach that originally thought your last name. Most of my friends. Was Gun Show, yeah. Most of my friends. Yeah. When I got married, I was like, I'll drop my first name. <laughs> I'm just going to out here. <laughs> well, that's hilarious. So best way to get you is on Twitter? Twitter's a good one, at Annie Gun Show. You can get me on Instagram, maybe at Annie Gun Show or Annie at bulletproofexecution.com. Awesome. Your own commercial. Well, we absolutely appreciate the fact that you have come in and joined us for the last 43, 44 minutes. So nice. I think it's flown by. Yeah, great stuff. I think a lot of people will appreciate information that you provided yeah. so yeah but thank you so much hold on great to can meet you, you tell me what a buff truffle is oh gosh of course i can it's oh. is it a mushroom is it truffle looking mushroom. there's a lot of different is that flavors a candy? where does this come from buff truffle i think that's probably i'm gonna guess it's a product on your website or on the whatever i was looking you were you were there i was at buff truffle someone sells buff truffles Oh, a gifted performance. Okay, right on. Yeah, that's my online company. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, she makes, that's one of our, uh, our associate coaches there. She makes um, like protein bars. Is that what they are? They're just yeah. protein snacks. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's just a funny name. So I like is. the name. Yeah. It's a good name. Did I forget about a sponsorship? Run <laughs> <laughs> me my check. Well, we absolutely thank you so much for coming. On behalf of everybody here at this week in Fast Pitch, no matter where you are, where you, what you're doing, live life like a 3-1 count. Thanks a lot, everybody. See ya. Buff truffles. <laughs>